This is The Social Mediators on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM, where we examine the truth disparity between what's in social media and what's actually true. I'm Jillian Parks. And I'm Garrett Coolsby. And I've noticed something about myself when I do that little intro. Oh. I do that little crispy R. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do it again. Radio Free Hillsdale. Oh, that is a crispy R. Where it's like really weird. That is weird. It just comes out naturally Normal people don't talk like that. I don't talk like that. Radio Free Hillsdale is how I would usually say it. Yeah. But I go Radio Free Hillsdale. You should start rolling that R. No. No, okay. I won't. Can you roll your R's? Uh, probably, but I don't want to try because like, I'm afraid of failure. <laughs> okay. It's 8.30 at night. I made it this far in the day. That's true. Only three more full days of class until I'm getting on an airplane to go home. That sounds wonderful. I agree. Are you going home soon? Yes. What day? On Tuesday. Next Tuesday. I'm going home on Saturday. A week from today. Ha, ha, ha. Yes, very lucky. Anyways, we have a topic. Do you know what it is? Sigmund Freud. <sighs> Because apparently social media has a lot to say about him. Uh And this was of particular interest to me because I'm a psychology major and I've studied Sigmund Freud on a number of occasions in psychology Mm. classes. And he's pretty weird. So when you hear that social media has some opinions on him, I say, oh, I got to know what they are. And I'm going to tell you what they are, Garrett. And you're welcome for that. I hope you are grateful for Wow, I that am was really helpful. I'm really glad that I just did that. Um, I want to f- first start by prefacing that social media does not like Sigmund Freud. That's not entirely unsurprising. They actually really hate Sigmund Freud. And I'm pretty sure, from what I could tell, it stems not from his ideas, but from his um, personal beliefs. Okay, sure. So, according to social media, he was sexist maybe racist that was brought up a couple times particularly homophobic but we will get back to that um and then on top of that then people like to be like his theories were unscientific and harmful and untested and whatever um and people and to like um they basically the the sweeping what is the word generalization perhaps yeah yeah, oh my gosh thank you Uh, the sweeping generalization that people make is that all of his theories are wrong but they're very influential, and so society needs to cry about it. Um, that's a lot to unpack. I hope that's not true. I will say that there are some social media users who appreciate that he, like some of the stuff that he did, particularly how he focused on the unconscious mind, was brought up a lot. The introduction of like defense mechanisms and the overall emphasis that he places on childhood, yes. where it's like very important the things that happen to. A child because then it actually formulates how they are as adults which i feel like is so intuitive but um maybe only because i'm living in a pro post freud world yes well it's important to remember people except uh, there's a few exceptions but not a lot of people were doing psychology before right sigmund freud was he the one it says i watched one tiktok that said that he basically pioneered psycho analysis he did pioneer psychoanalysis that is his baby oh and he also oh he also had dream theory but i could not figure out from twitter what dream yeah theory we'll talk about meant. dream theory a little bit it's really weird I'll okay tell i'm you excited that. to hear it, about dream theory it's only gotten weirder as more people have come after him and thought about it and added on to it so we can talk about that awesome. too okay so the first one obviously that comes up is his oedipus complex thing, yes where all men are attracted to their mothers and it seems like by extension, all women are attracted to their fathers. Also is that true. true. He talked about that less, but he did believe that to be the case. I mean, he's a man, so it makes sense that he would want to talk about the one that applies to men more. Um, but he seemed to think that this was completely universal and that all um, women and or boys and girls had 
uh, a thing for the parent of the opposite sex, which is just very strange. It is um, very strange. It is really strange. That was like the main one that people wanted to bring up was just the Oedipus complex thing. There were also the like stages of development yes. of childhood, which are super strange and I don't want to explain them, but like there's five stages of development and any sort of like, I guess, deprivation at those five stages um, has a direct correlation with how those children grow up. Yes. Which is weird, but I would like to hear more about what you think there. Another fun thing that I saw was a defense of Sigmund Freud. And this takes, and this apparently assumes that he was not homophobic. He was actually homophobic and heterophobic because he thought that everyone was latently bisexual um, and that everybody was attracted to both. That's kind of true. Is it actually? Well, here's the, here's the thing is that some of his students that come after him, Mm -hmm. most notably Carl Jung, that is, he explicitly will say that Carl Jung says that um, every person is naturally bisexual and we just repress one side or another due to cultural um, okay. You know, acculturation, I guess, would be the way to put it. Okay, so he's not homophobic then, but... Sigmund Freud talked less about that specifically. I can say a little bit about what he thought about homophobic people or or gay people or any, you know... Or straight people, or apparently. Or straight people. We'll talk about all the people. <laughs> Wait, that's crazy. Um, he... The dream theory, I really tried to understand. I'm telling you I did my best, but I did not... I didn't really get anything. It's weird. That, like, things can be revealed to us through our dreams. Yes. And that dreams mean specific things i'm trying to think of other theories but those are like generally probably the three that social media really latches onto and says for thinking he's so incorrect it's very prevalent yes he's well and even in our language there are many phrases that we get from sigmund freud like a freudian slip freudian slip we can talk about what that means mm-hmm. um uh, saying that somebody's anal about something yes. that comes from Freud. Yes, um, and that is that like the second stage of the psycho. It is, whatever. and we might talk about that one just as an example because it's sort of the least. I mean, it's weird, but it's probably the least weird. Maybe the well, I think the latent one is probably the least. Well, weird. it's because nothing happens. Yes, and then the yeah, I think you're right about the next one. This is so weird. I, everything about it just makes me cringe a little bit. But that's pretty much what I have. If you have specific questions, I can answer what. Um, I think I know from what I've seen. Sure. So I'm just going to pick one and, and dive right in. Let's talk about dream theory first because that one seems to be the most most pressing question for you. So Freud believed that your mind was structured in such a way that there was a conscious part. There are the thoughts that you think normally that are that you have deemed acceptable to think mm-hmm. by society and by yourself. You've, you've judged them to be appropriate. And then there's another layer of your thoughts, your unconscious mind that contains thoughts, desires, he calls them latent wishes that okay. are essentially unpalatable for society. Um, <laughs> all of them are very aggressive in nature, very sexual in nature, and for lack of another way to put it, they're super gross. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like a, a latent wish would be like, I don't, the desire to like stab somebody 700 times just for and kicks and giggles. Does he think we all have these? Yes, everyone. Um, in fact, that he believes that those are your kind of, those are really your primal thoughts. Those are really what's what's kind of going on. And what you get in dreams is um, a part of your mind called your super ego, which is like, think about it like the bossy older sister in your head. It's mm-hmm. trying to make sure everything's right, everything's straight, everything is as it should be, okay? Mm-hmm. And what that does is, as you, as those unconscious thoughts try to push their way into your conscious thoughts, your superego makes them more palatable for society. So 
For example, let's say that your latent desire is to stab somebody in the chest. Mm-hmm. You might instead dream about like getting in an argument with that person or something like oh it, it essentially softens the blow, right? And but in the dream? In the dream. Okay. So but that that's a really a really broad a really broad example, but the same is true for kind of any any dream you have, Freud would say that you can you can psychoanalyze through psychoanalysis, you can get back to sort of a root desire behind what appears in the dream. And now it's important to remember when you talk about Sigmund Freud that all of his theories, everything he came up with, everything he said was just synthesis of things he saw in his clinic. He was a psychiatrist, a practitioner. What? Yes. So he's seeing patients, he's writing stuff down, and then he sits down with all of his notes and tries to make sense of it all because he saw some weird stuff. Like you read his case files and you realize, okay, he has weird theories, but he also just was presented with a lot of weird facts. Hmm. Um, And after analyzing all of his data, analyzing all of his patients and, and hearing about their dreams, a lot of times he would have people keep extensive dream logs and he's, you know, have, has all this recorded and he comes up with these theories because there's a pattern like there it's there based on what he saw. It's not like he says, Oh, I just want it to be all about sex, you know? So I'm going to kind of superimpose that onto the data. It really, he kept every time somebody would come in with some kind of hysteria, some kind of uh, mental disorder, he was almost always able to trace it to some like bizarre sexual desire. Now that's not, here, here's, here's the thing. And my, my personal kind of quibble with Freud is that he based a, he made a generalization for the entire population based on data taken from people that were already hysterical that were like mentally broken down. Um, so that's, that's why there might be some, well, that's why I would say that there's definitely some uh, issue with the way he generalized what he saw because, okay, to say that all these crazy people have the same way of thinking and then to apply it to everybody. And I say crazy people really, really loosely. Basically, anybody that had some sort of uh, mental illness or abnormality that wasn't explainable biologically, mm-hmm. like you know, a tumor or something yeah. like that. I um, feel like that's super strange, though, because there was no mention of him having any sort of case studies or yes. any sort of like real world evidence to ground what he was saying. It's always just kind of thought of, at least via social media, as this very like out there crazy guy who really wanted to have sex with his mom. That's a great time for me to like say, hey guys, if you're tuning in for the first time, I'm Jillian Parks. And I'm Garrett Goolsby. And this is the Social Mediators on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. We're currently talking about Sigmund Freud. That's why we're talking about Not, having sex with your mom. Yeah, we don't we don't actually talk about that at all unless Never. we're talking about Sigmund Freud on the social media. You know, he might be the only person that felt like talking about that in a in I kind of feel sphere. like there's weirdos out there who might really vibe with that. But anyway, back to Sigmund Freud. <laughs> so we, ta- we talked about dream theory, right? Uh-huh. It's your latent wishes getting pushed into your mind, but then sort of changed to make them more palatable I for society. I was confused about psychoanalysis, though. Like, is there, when you're approaching that dream theory, is there a specific number of steps you have to go through? Or is it just like, this probably means this? Well, so here's how, let me just kind of explain briefly how psych, how he did psychoanalysis. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot more to it than I even know about, but right. uh, he would, he used this technique called free association where essentially he would sit down with his patient. He would ask a few leading questions about their life. He always targeted childhood. He always asked about their childhood, about their relationships with their mom and their dad. And then the person would just start talking um, and they would just say whatever came into their head. And what he found is that those... 
uh, that when they free associate and just sort of started spitting whatever came into their head, in the end, it might take many steps or it might take only a few. The thing that would ultimately come out was some strange, aggressive or sexual desire um, that had been repressed or put away. That's insane. It is weird. That's super weird. But here's, again, here's the thing. Okay, yes, Freud's ideas seem really crazy, but you have to remember it worked for a lot of people. There were a lot of people that were actually cured from their psychosis, whatever it might have been, from him using this technique and essentially revealing to them, okay, here's like what you deep, deep down apparently have been repressing, have been wanting. So deal with that. So Freud wasn't saying we should we should all go <laughs> act on these desires. That's an important, yeah. I think, caveat. Freud would never, I don't think he would ever say we should go act on all of our impulses yeah. um, that we have deep, deep down. He would say that we need to be made aware of them so that we can deal with them in a healthy way. I guess now, that's fair. He's very critical of Western culture, specifically America, okay. um, <laughs> because he believed that we were far more repressive than other cultures. That we really? pushed, pushed more desire. Okay, you have to remember, Freud wrote in the t at the turn of the century, right? This is a very different America than the America we have now. That's fair enough. Um, so think think 1890 to 1910. America. I wasn't there, but I believe they were probably very more repressive. Very different. Particularly so, towards women. Yes. Maybe well, men too. Well, do you want to talk a little bit about, should I say a little bit about Freud being sexist and homosexual? Yes. Or, uh, <laughs> not, he's not homosexual, homophobic. Uh, no, he's not homosexual. Wow, we to, no, that's not, what, that's not what we're meaning to say. But I do want to hear, like, are these... Like was he actually misogynistic? Like was he was he racist? Like, I mean, what's the he deal? was misogynistic in the sense that like every man was between in that time period. It, mm. it, he doesn't seem, I, you know, I've, at this point I've read quite a bit that he's written yeah. and lectures he's given. I mean, he talks about men primarily because he can draw from his own experience. It seems um, about right in that you know in that vein of things, and it's. I think I think he found it easier to comment on the male psyche because of that perspective, and there was mm -hmm. things that he couldn't. His daughter Anna Freud actually also became a psychoanalyst. Um, mm. She did exactly, you know, she followed in her father's footsteps, essentially. So um, it's interesting because she has a few more developed theories about um, what's going on with, you know, in the female psyche, but it's not, you know, Freud didn't believe it was altogether that different from, mm. uh, from how things worked with men. Like you said, it was uh, still, you know, a, a young girl would have an attraction for her father, just as, you know, a young boy would have attraction for his mother. Um, super weird. But I don't like it. He doesn't. Yeah, he's not. Uh, the accusation that he's sexist is really the same as saying, you know, every man at that time would probably per be perceived as sexist. I'm not shocked. I feel like we always get back to this when we bring mm -hmm. up these sort of claims. Yeah, history is tricky for social media. Do we want to talk about those five stages? Okay. Well, the first stage is the oral stage, mm -hmm. which essentially just means that babies want to put everything in their mouths. Yes, okay? which is true. We know that. Now here, okay. So here's where we have to. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this question, and I need you to to use your good judgment here. Mm -hmm. I can explain to you what he means by these stages, like what the psychological importance of these stages are. Um, but it gets kind of gross. Uh, but do it. Okay. You so probably should. It's oral. The, the reason why each stage is named after some like body region is because in that stage, whatever region it is, it calls the it's he calls it the erogenous zone of that region is essentially wrapped up in erotic experience. So every sense experience that you have involving that region of your body is erotic in some way. Oh, okay. So it's super weird, right? When a baby puts something in their mouth and or engages in any activity that involves their mouth, uh, Freud believed that that was a, like, a sexual experience. For um, the baby? Yes, for the baby. Very weird. I don't... I, look, 
Freud was a strange guy. Yeah, sounds like it. I don't know that I could unpack that any more <laughs> than that, you know, any more than I've just explained. That's fair um, for y'all, or maybe even do I want to? Um, That's a good point. So, uh, oral stage is infants, little little people, and then the next is the anal stage, um, and each stage has to do with uh, a a development of certain character traits or. So I'll just give an example to explain. The anal stage is about um, trusting yourself versus um, meeting society's expectations, right? Mm-hmm. So for the first time, and this I think is actually pretty insightful, like he talks about potty training a mm-hmm. lot because potty training in Freud's eyes is the first time that a kid is met with any expectations from the outside world on him. Mm-hmm. Like He has to grapple with what it means to be grown what Mm -hmm. it means to be older what it means to do what other people expect him to do and he's probably going to fail um so freud sees that as such an important stage because of that if you mess a kid up in that in that time if they have some traumatic experience Mm -hmm. then they might always have this sort of anal personality that's Mm -hmm. where the phrase comes from is that they can't seem to ever be satisfied that things are as they should be Mm -hmm. he actually believed that ocd was sort of kind of birthed out of something that went wrong in this time period. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's the second stage. He believes that's super important. Um, Oh, let's see if I can remember the third stage. I remember it. I just don't want to say it. It's the phallic stage. Yeah, it is. Um, And that, you know, is what it sounds like. Kids start like touching themselves. Um, Super weird, but there you go. And then he said, reading about this is funny when he talks about this, is that then there's the latent stage Mm -hmm. where he basically just says, nothing happens. You know, and that's like ages seven, six, seven to right before puberty, mm-hmm. right before you hit puberty. Is it considered like, is it suppression or is yes. it just like there's nothing going you on? You push there? everything down. Okay. So you have like no any, yeah, anyway. Okay. Um, it's like a calm before the storm and then puberty happens and it's just <laughs> <Calm>. like. <laughs> <laughs> What's the last one called? Genital stage. Uh, classic. Yeah. Creative. Bummer. Or just puberty, you know. Puberty. Yeah. There's five stages. And is that, is that, okay, is that considered, like, what ages is the final stage? Uh, final stage, well, and then the last, well, so he, it's kind of fuzzy because sometimes he'll call puberty the genital stage, but he also refers to, like, being an adult as a genital stage, and basically he just says that, like, all of your major relationships have something to do with your genitals, and, yeah. And Wait, for the rest of your life? For the rest of your life. Even when you're 85 years old? Even when you're 85 years old. No! Was he right? Do people like this theory? Or no. no. Okay. So here's my my uh, most recent when we most recently talked about this in a psychology class I was taking. My psych professor put it this way: There's a spectrum of people that um, believe in slash don't believe in what Freud had to say, mm-hmm. and all the way on the like believe everything he said side. There's like five people maybe cool. still alive uh, that believe everything mm-hmm. he said. There's a good number of people that will back away from what he says and. And say, okay, maybe like it's not all about sex and being aggressive. Maybe there's other instinctual desires mm-hmm. that also play into like your latent wishes and everything yeah. like that. Um, that's where his student, like we talked about, Carl Jung comes in. Mm-hmm. Is he? He's that. Him and Freud were best buddies, and then they split because Carl Jung was like, it can't all be about sex, and Freud was like, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so then there's there's. I would say most people fall on the side of everything Freud said was stupid. It's wrong. Yes. Um, I'm glad social media is at least right about that one. Even at the time, the public, like normal people did not have any, they didn't want to have anything to do with what Freud said. But the psychoanalysis community, the Mm -hmm. psychology community was like, okay, this is, it was unpalatable still for most people. Right. But they saw it as insightful because 
like you said, he's one of the first to really focus on the importance of childhood. Mm -hmm. Prior to this, a lot of times children were just viewed as tiny adults. Mm -hmm. Like they're just smaller versions. Their their minds aren't any different. Um, Freud really took issue with that. He was like, no, no, it's it's very different. And Mm -hmm. the things that happen when you're a child have tremendous impact when you're older. And that's that's the truth. It is the truth. You ready to give social media a grade? I think so. Me too. Three, two, one, uh, zero. Zero. <laughs> zero Negative. percent. No percent. I hate it because I really do feel like social media is just like, we hate Sigmund Freud. He, he wanted to have sex with his mom. And that's all we ever get. Like, I don't feel like there's any more nuance there. And maybe there is, but I couldn't find it. And usually I can find some stuff. So yeah. Sigmund Freud seems more of a like an ideograph of like, we hate this guy rather yeah. than like an actual thought thoughtful like i've thought about this you know what i mean yes well he wasn't a very nice man uh yeah from what i know of his life maybe he he lived kind of a crazy life wow i would love to know about his crazy life but has nothing to do with his crazy ideas i'm assuming or maybe they're completely kind of oh no yeah he had a traumatic childhood what yes we won't delve into freud's traumatic childhood now but no it's not worth the we also don't have the time Thanks, everybody, for tuning into the Social Mediators this week. <laughs> Wild episode. Hope you enjoyed every second of it like I did. I was cringing in my seat for most of it. Um, and hopefully you were too. Right, Garrett? You should be, I think. I hope you I hope you are. Yeah, me too. If you're nodding along going, oh, this is good stuff. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> Gross. And thanks so much for tuning into the Social Mediators. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>